Hi, you're listening to Flying Sober. This is a podcast about cultivating relationships and sobriety and stepping into self-discovery through love, understanding, and exploration. The opportunity to learn about yourself through others starts now. Hello, 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 our lovely listeners. This is Rachel. And this is Jonathan. And we're talking about our favorite subject, dating. Did you say dating? Yes, I did. And I felt like singing it from the top of my lungs. Well. That's actually how excited I am about this subject. So this is part three of our dating series, and we talked about the one-year dating rule, learning how to truly love yourself by doing the things you're passionate about and not putting them on the back burner for someone else. We talked about the inconsistencies of a codependent relationships and how to identify a character defect by checking your own inventory before you invite someone else into your life. And how are you ready? Yep. And are you ready? Yada, yada, yada. And now you're in the dating stream. If you haven't listened to the last two parts of our series, I urge you to listen to it. There's a lot of good stuff in there, and I know, I know it changed my perspective on many levels. So I want to thank you for that, Jonathan. Absolutely. And all of our episodes are under 20 minutes, so it shouldn't take you that long. We realize us alcoholics are not very patient, so we, we kept that in mind. Moving forward, um, now we are ready to date. You know, I, I often ask myself, am I really ready? And I want to talk about that for a little bit. So I've been dabbling in the fish pond lately. Oh, yeah, you heard me. And I have to say, it's going to take someone really special to come into my life. In other words, he's got to bring something valuable to the table. And I'm not talking about the physical aspects of it, if you know what I mean. I realize I have a really great life, something I worked super hard for, and I don't want just anyone messing with that. So in the past, and we talked about putting our passions on the back burner, right? Well, I was one of those people. My friendships had to take a backseat next to a man, and I'm never going to allow that to happen ever again. I've become very protective of my fortress. As a result, I set up some very strict guidelines, and those are my deal breakers. I'm willing to bet that you got some deal breakers of your own. Am I right? I've got three deal breakers. Okay, let's hear it. Three deal breakers. Um, Number one, are they honest, right? Because if I'm going to be in a relationship with somebody, I have to have that trust because I don't need to be sent off in a whole different time zone if I'm consistently wondering if they're being honest, right? That's the first one, honesty. Number two, do you support my recovery? Because our recovery is number one, Rachel. Remember that, right? Unless we we put our recovery first, nothing else is going to fall into place. That's what they told us when we first came into this thing. So I have to know, is this person going to be conducive to the lifestyle that I know that I'm going to have to live for the rest of my life? And how do I do that? I watch, I watch their behavioral patterns. Like by the first or second date, I can actually gauge and see, all right, are they drinking alcoholically or are they into drugs? Like my girlfriend, I remember first date, we went out, um, we go out to a, a restaurant and, you know, she orders a drink and 
I didn't order a drink. And she's like, are you, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just don't, I don't drink. She goes, that's such a relief. I go, what do you mean? She says, do you know how many of my friends complain about the people who they date? They get so drunk on a date that they get inco, they literally get in- and incapacitated. I remember she, she actually told me once when I talked to your girlfriend that she did go out with someone who drank and how, what a, it was a nightmare, what a nightmare that was. And so right there, that was a yeah. moment where I said to myself like, okay, this is good. Right. And then during that date, she said, you know, there was a time, you know, I used to smoke a lot of pot and um, I'm actually eight months clean without smoking pot. I wanted to have a more consistent life and I wanted to be more accountable. All of a sudden, that's another indicator like, wow, she's actually conscious of certain behavior patterns that she has and she wants to change them. So when I'm truly listening to somebody, right, I can kind of gauge if that person's going to be conducive with my life. Now, One of the things that you and I disagree upon is when do we let the cat out of the bag and tell people that we are in recovery? For me, my experience, it happened on my third date. I'll never forget it. We were driving and she says, I got a question. I go, yeah. She goes, why, why don't you drink? Right. Well, that's a different story. Like if they ask you, blatantly ask you why, right. I, of course I would go into it. And that's the thing. It's like, is our higher power everything or is he nothing? So in that moment, that's the universe giving me the opportunity to share. And at first I was scared, right? Because I didn't want to scare this person off. Because at the end of the day, you know, if this relationship's going to go anywhere, they are signing up for me being in recovery. It's not that... I, and I, I've heard this so many times in the rooms where someone said, I told them that I was in recovery and they ran. Exactly. They never heard from them again. And so, that's obviously the wrong person for you. Obviously. And don't, anybody that's hearing this podcast right now, don't you feel like it's your, this is your problem. This is their problem. They're missing out. So I went ahead and told her. I said, listen, um, I don't drink. I'm in a program of recovery, and I have six years of sobriety. Good for you. And I'm just telling you this up front, because this is your decision that you're going to have to make. It's your own free will. But for the rest of my life, I'm going to be dedicated not only to my relationship with the power far greater than myself, but I'm going to be dedicated to working with others and being helpful, because that's how I keep what I have. She teared up, and she said, I think that's, and she says, I think that's so amazing right there. That's when I knew like, all right, this is a person that I, that is worth dating. This is somebody that's worth the time and effort of getting to know and allowing them to get to know me. Because at the end of the day, it's our recovery that comes first. And now we didn't meet in the actual recovery realm. We met just naturally, but, and Unless I know that this person is going to be supportive of the path that I need to live on, then how am I going to know if this is a person worth spending time with? And that's just the point that I'm coming from. Okay, as far as telling them, first of all, we all know that there's a stigma about alcoholic because most normal drinkers associate that with an instant problem for themselves. As, as they should. Second of all, I wouldn't want to waste my time. I want to drive the car around the block a couple of times to make sure it's the right fit. But like you said, if the opportunity presented itself, of course I would say something, but to a degree. I just wouldn't go deep into it. Imagine if it was a job interview. I wouldn't want to tell them, hey, I'm an alcoholic. No. I don't think they would hire me. Now that we got that out of the way, let me tell you what my deal breakers are. 
First and foremost, if I'm out to a restaurant with them and they've had one too many, I am out on the third drink. That's an easy one. Second, if they have a baby mama or they, you know, paying child support to small children, I can't relate to that in any way, nor do I want their problems. I'm definitely out. You know, rarely do we take the time to get to know someone because sometimes the attraction gets in the way. But if they have way too many problems and they consistently talk about it, that's my third deal breaker. Because cleaning up their mess is definitely not my job. That was the old me. And I tell you now, nothing, and I mean nothing, is more important to me than a peaceful life. I am repelled by drama like mosquitoes and bug spray. But let's say that I like the guy and things are going well. Of course, every relationship takes some degree of work. But if I don't feel peaceful in it, that's a deal breaker. If I feel agitated and rattled in a relationship, I already know that's tremendous hardship coming my way. Absolutely. You know, my third deal breaker is? What is it? They have to have some sense of spirituality. Yeah. Oh, good one. I, I can't be with somebody that doesn't believe anything. Because say the relationship goes into a serious actual relationship and then marriage. It's like, wait a minute. If I'm going to actually be with somebody, and I can't teach somebody else, I had to go through what I went through, right, from my right. own experience. I'm not here to be, you know, the three M's, right? There are three M's that you should always practice in any kind of relationship or any setting. If you're practicing any of these three M's, you're screwing around with the will of the universe. The first M is manipulating. If you're manipulating... Ooh. It's not good. You're trying to conform the situation the way that you want to see it. The second thing is managing, right? Like, I can't manage people. I can't manage what they're doing. Wow, how they... that's really good, Jonathan. No. And then the third M is one of the really hard ones. It's mothering, right? Like, am I tending to, like, am, am, I, am I mothering this person? Am I smothering them with so much, like, I'm not allowing I'm them like the, the opportunity. I'm like the caretaker. Exactly. I'm not allowing them to live their own life and to take care of their own self. And those three M's, um, they've been so helpful. Not only Where in, did you get that from? Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of mentors that I speak to because I'm, I'm in a relationship. Mentors, starting with them. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I'm in a relationship now. And, and you're right. It, it's, it takes work. And one of the things I have to identify is when my defects of character are going out of whack and I start falling into those three M's, you know, that's when I really have to check myself and see, like, wait a minute. Um, are my expectations met? Are, are, are they, are they, am I not getting enough attention? Exactly. Because I have to constantly watch for myself and watch if I fall into that self-centered fear and I start using those three M's. As soon as I start using those three M's, I know that there's something wrong. I really do. So, Jonathan, let's go over that again. The three M's. Mothering, managing, and manipulating. Manipulating. That's a big one. And it's hard. And how do I stop myself from doing that? It's I fall into my primary purpose. As long as I do what I'm supposed to do for my recovery and trust my higher power, I don't have to fall into fear. Yeah. Yeah, I always say there is, um, if there is a jailer, 
and a prisoner in the relationship. You're not in the right relationship. You know what I'm saying? And the roles can reverse. So if one of you is manipulating, you're expecting something. And if it doesn't happen, you feel hurt. And what do you do? You punish them by taking something away. It's like a vicious cycle. I see it all so clearly now. And then you've got the management part of it. The truth is it's selfishness because you want these little doses of attention. And so you have to control them not to hurt you. This is where the expectations come back in again. And then you got the smotherer, the desperado. I'll take care of you. Just don't leave me. Debilitating the other person. The worst part of it all is that you don't even know when you're in it. And this is, excuse my French, fucking with your head big time. Because it's all a bunch of mind games. And in your crazy little head, you think this is love. Aren't you relieved that we finally get this? But it's still important to consistently check on those 3Ms, especially when you're in a relationship. So kudos to you, Jonathan. Great advice. In my previous experiences, I've used those 3Ms while dating people in the program because I will see something wrong with what they're doing or I will take their inventory and I start doing those 3Ms. And for me, you know, if I'm ever going to date somebody in the program, they have to be at least equal to what I have going on in my life, like standard and morality and spirituality, or even better. So true. So often that we forget, what are they bringing to the table? When you love yourself enough, your price is high. And I want someone who's going in the same direction as me. Someone who's compatible with my views and values emotionally, physically, economically, and like you said, spiritually. But the bottom line is we attract who we are. Even with people in recovery. Well, but that, that goes, uh, there's a balancing act of how that works, right? Yeah. But like I've dated people in recovery and I've, because I have something built in me, like I want to save people. That's, and, and it's got me in a lot of trouble because I'll date certain people in the program and I see the red flags and I think to myself, I can help them. No, I can't. That, that, their own journey is is theirs and not for me exactly and it's not for me to manage it look at that you just said you see the red flag and then you get one of the three m's again trying to manage it and that's how that works you know i believe in order to find the right partner whether it's in recovery or outside we need to have the courage to open up our eyes to see the truth and see what's really in front of us instead of what we want to see or fabricate in our minds. Absolutely. Well, if I ever did get with somebody in the program, it would be equal. It would be somebody that is on the same exact path that I'm on and has the understanding and the awareness that I have accumulated throughout my time in the program. And we would coexist, not be codependent. Exactly. We already determined that equality is the single most important thing in a relationship. And if you're out of kilter, you're probably off in the four areas of the values that I mentioned earlier. You know, I learned that the longer I work the steps and I'm not attached to my emotional wounds, I can see everyone more clearly. And that could really help in meeting the right partner. But you also have to realize some will make a good match and some won't. You know, you can love everyone, but to deal with a person on a daily basis, you will need someone more closely aligned. 
Because holding on to a person that is not meant for you is exhausting and quite the opposite of love. It's exhausting and it's been a learning experience, but I'm grateful for all those experiences because they've made me into the man I am today who's constantly being aware that I have to keep in check. I have to keep checking that temperature to make sure that I'm not acting out of fear and I'm not practicing those three M's. Because those three M's, if you engage in those too much, you'll put yourself in a position to where you are really restless, irritable, and discontent. Yeah, and that was my third deal breaker. Why would you want to put yourself in that position in the first place? It's simple. If it works, keep going. If it doesn't work, do yourself both a favor and move on. Absolutely. Because sometimes to get to what God has intended for you, you have to say no. You have to say no. So anyway, I really enjoyed this conversation with you, Rachel. Yeah, it's been really interesting for me. And I'm so glad that we got a chance to do this. Absolutely. Um, these past three episodes talking about relationships, it actually has me in self-reflection of uh, more things that I can improve on. That's what it's all about, to continuously grow and learn. Right. Thank you to all of our listeners. Have a wonderful day and God bless. And so we conclude the three-part series on dating and sobriety. We sure hope that you got a lot out of this. And with that said, we look forward to the next time we connect, which is every Friday at 7 a.m. For any comments, go to flying-sober.com.